This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? Another edition of the Equalizer Podcast. I'm Jeff Kasouf, your host here with Rachel Krieger, John Halloran. How are we doing today? Doing well. How about you? I'm good. Where's the energy? Doing we're doing a mock draft. <laughs> no, this is this is the this is what happens when we have the three person pod. No. Everybody just waits to talk. No, this is <laughs> mock draft, yell at each other. How are we doing, Rachel? <laughs> the- the energy is being sucked up by MLS decision day right now, but the, the energy will come. I, I guarantee it. All right. Well, decision day when two thirds of the league gets in, I don't know, but, um, okay. So we're talking NWSL here though. We got an expansion draft, obviously racing Louisville, who I still would love to hear pronounce Rossing Louisville to sound very cultural, uh, racing Louisville this week, expansion draft, picking, uh, up to 16 players. It would have been 18, but we'll talk about that. Um, t- up to two from each team. So basically, this is the bulk of their roster build minus, you know, potentially huge signings, international, maybe maybe a huge draft pick or two if they can make that happen, um, trades otherwise. But this is going to be, you know, a big portion of what we see from their roster for this immediate future here as we hit toward the middle of November. Um so we're going to go through a little bit of the talking points, and then, folks, we are going to do some mock drafts. And a few of you sent them to us. We'll try to work those in. Maybe we'll see how they compare. Uh, Rachel, John, and I will each share some of our thoughts on what Christy Holly and James O'Connor from Louisville might do this coming Thursday live on Twitch at 7 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so let's get first off. There's a lot to understand about this expansion draft. So we're going to link the rules and procedures as well as the protected unprotected list in the show description here. And you can find those on equalizersoccer.com. If you follow us there and subscribe to us, you've seen all that and, and seen some of our mock drafts and analysis and, and everything already. But um, there's a lot there. So I'm not going to read hundreds of names or um, all of the rules, but we'll go over the brief of it. And it's basically that, uh, each team has protected 11 players, uh, except for the Chicago Red Stars, who traded for roster protection in full by trading Savannah McCaskill, Yuki Nagasato, a first-round draft pick, and an international slot in the next two years to Louisville. Um, so full immunity for the Red Stars that leaves eight teams. Uh, up to two players from each can be chosen by Louisville if Louisville picks a U.S. Federation player, a 2020 Federation player anyway. Uh, they can only pick one player from that team. And then there's some money incentive on the line too, which we'll get into as we go through our mock drafts and, and is a factor that uh, Louisville would get $75,000 in allocation money for not picking one U.S. player. They'd get $150,000 for not picking two of them. 
Um, hopefully I haven't lost you already. Uh, the bottom line is Louisville can pick up the two players from these teams. Um, and if you want the real nitty gritty, um, we'll get into, you can, you can click the link in the description, but um, that's, that's the long and short of it. If you've been through this before, if you followed the league, uh, Orlando pride, Houston dash, we've had expansion drafts. The only thing really different here, the protected list is a little bit longer at 11 players. I think it's longer, but, but as part of that, it is, there's no pulling back players. So in the past, you'd put a list out and you know, okay, that player might get picked, but after they pick somebody, you know, if you're an, an incumbent team, you can then protect another player that doesn't exist this time. So the players that are out there are out there. And in theory, this is going to be a made for TV event, but going into Thursday, Louisville can just have 18 players already or 16 players already, you know, they could do it in five minutes if they wanted, but that probably won't, won't happen. So, um, I have probably done enough talking. Um, we've got the rules. You can check them out in full. So John, Rachel, Let's, let's dive into a little bit of these, these lists that, again, I'm not going to read them full, but there are plenty of really high-quality players available. There are headliner names, U.S. players that, that we'll get into, the why they're there and, and, um, and everything. But let's, let's start with you, Rachel, maybe. When you look at these lists, they came out a few days ago. Surprises, any teams that jumped out in terms of decision-making, any players that jumped out in terms of surprised they were protected or unprotected? Um, I think the most enticing names on these lists are the like non-Federation players. I think there's a lot of really exciting opportunities for Louisville to draft a lot of players who um, maybe haven't been starters through, throughout a full NWSL season, but have a good chance to do so. Um, in Louisville, I'm a big um, goalkeeper, I guess, scout, whatever you want to call it. But I think the goalkeeper choices have been interesting. Um, I know for Sky Blue, I was a little shocked to see Mandy McGlynn being protected along with Kaylin Sheridan. Yeah. Um, I was surprised to see Portland just put all of their goalkeepers out on the open market. Um, but I think for the most part, and then that Casey Murphy trade where she went to North Carolina and obviously Crystal Dunn went to um, Portland. It was that three-team trade. That screwed up my whole goalkeeper prediction because I thought that Louisville was going to somehow end up with Casey Murphy. So I had to go and backtrack that whole thing. But the, the goalkeeper stuff was definitely the biggest eye-turner for me. What about you, John? Yeah, I think, you know, Sky Blue was was the – a surprise just exactly what Rachel said with with McGlynn because I thought you know you're leaving uh, Jennifer Cujo and and Sabrina Flores Mandy Freeman unprotected um, and then OL Reigns protected list was a little bit surprising too they protected Leah Pruitt who they picked up last year and I'm not sure at least based on some of the stuff we had heard might might not have even you know been in the league this year had she not moved and uh, they also protected Amber Brooks, who we know is is uh, you know been in the league for a very very long time, and left some of their younger players unprotected. So that kind of surprised me too. Yeah, I think I mean OL Reign's been sort of the the mystery team of the the year really, with trying to figure out what they want to do in transition in a in a bad year to be in transition, I guess. Um, and and so you know I, I would imagine that they came away from 
the fall series and the challenge cup with some idea, at least you would hope from, from training and the limited games that they had of who fits the system of what they want to create. I mean, I think it's a different topic of figuring out what they want to create, but um, yeah, I think, you know, that, that's a fair point. And the goalkeepers, goalkeepers are, are something I'm sure we're going to talk about on this, these mock drafts, but you know, um, it's interesting because there's a, there's an abundant supply of talented goalkeepers. So inherently they're going to be available. Um, but, but they're obviously, you know, I think there are enough in this draft available for Louisville that it's a matter of who Holly and O'Connor rate and, and what they've seen in the past, who they like, you know, because they're going to have plenty to pick from. I mean, I think, I, I think it's fair to say that not only might, but maybe should that, Louisville's starting goalkeeper should come from this draft because there's no reason when they're sort of freely available to in this abundance to not have that happen um, unless, I don't know, unless they have some real ambitions for using some big international slot or making a big trade, which I don't think is going to happen. So, um, so that, that probably leads to a point too, if we want to, uh, well, Rain, um, among that, and I'm sure people will maybe be raising their eyebrow, Megan Rapino unprotected uh, from, from O.L. Rain, and she is among a, I would say more than a handful, a large group of U.S. players that um, have been left unprotected by their respective teams. So if you're looking at this list, if you're a fan, if you're listening, I know these things can be confusing. Um, so you might be sitting there saying, why in the world is Carly Lloyd, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Adriana French, Becky Sauerbrunn, Allie Krieger, and Ashlyn Harris, why are they all on this unprotected list and available for Louisville to just take uh, not quite for free. Cause all of those players would come with that $75,000 tag uh, that would otherwise go to Louisville. And if, if any of them get picked $75,000 in allocation money would go to their former team. But um, this is, uh, I want to get your opinions, both of you on this, but you know, these are essentially dares is the best way that I can, <laughs> I can put this because this is a crop of players, um, you know, take French out. I think they're all over the age of 32 by, or 32 or older by first kick next year, which is hopefully at a normal time of the year. Um, they are mostly all players who've said, I'm playing here or I'm playing nowhere. And, and even like very recent trades for that. If you look at Sauerbrunn one to end her career in Portland, uh, Carly Lloyd recently, at least somewhat recently, is going to back to her home state in Jersey. Um, so, if you're Louisville, uh, you have the choice of trying to draft one of these players who, for one, uh, if the Olympics go well, will not be there for most of next season or the first half of it or some version of that, uh, are definitely toward the latter stages of their careers in most cases of that list that I just read, and who come with a price tag, and who also just might not come play for you. So, um, you know, on one hand, you could play hardball uh, and and take them and make their team trade them back, trade back for them. And on the other hand, uh, we've seen in the past some handshake deals. This one with Chicago Red Stars trading for immunity explicitly traded for that. But um, John, we'll start with you this time. I guess what, what do you think about these? I should say too, real quick. Some of these are necessity. Portland has five federation players. You can only protect two per team. So they protected Crystal Dunn and Lindsey Horan. I think that's very logical and sensible and doesn't need much discussion there, but you know, that leaves three full Federation players for the Thorns. So they had to leave those three, but um, in some of these cases uh, they did not, they could have been protected some of these players and they weren't. So what do you, what do you think of those 
interesting challenges for Louisville at a, on a big scale? Well, I think it's exactly what you said. It's essentially a dare because we know that the at least the top Federation players can essentially determine their market. And if they refuse to go, any value – and I don't think a lot of them probably want to go necessarily to Louisville, but I think the idea would be you take them and you trade them back for something. Um, but mm. you don't you don't have any leverage in doing that if they if they're just going to literally not report, um, and so that obviously presents a unique challenge. But the other thing that I think goes along with that is that you had some of these older players, you know, in their in their mid thirties, who teams left unprotected with the thought that you know maybe you take them and they just retire. And it's not and I'm not talking about the U.S. players. I'm talking about you know just uh, just your regular league player. Mm-hmm. Um, who might not want to up and relocate in their mid thirties to get one more season. Um, yeah. And then the same with international players. You don't know about some of these, like I, I look at Utah's list, for example, and you see Nicole Barnhart and you think, Oh, well, there'd be an opportunity to get a really experienced goalkeeper. Or you look at Vero and you think, Oh my gosh, that's the linchpin of your midfield. But um, you know, if you take those players and they don't end up playing for you and you don't get anything in a trade, then what did you really do with that pick? Yeah, and I know uh, if you read our site and you subscribe, you know that uh, Nicole Barnhart was a topic of conversation this week. Uh, Rachel disagreeing with our Dan Laletta about the uh, the opportunity there for Nicole Barnhart in Utah and whether you take her or not. Um, and, and Rachel, I want to get your thoughts and, and the point to add to John's as well and, and reiterate is, you know, there is th- that leverage that you mentioned, John, you know, Maybe in past years you try something like that, but now this re- this introduction of seventy five thousand in allocation money really kind of cools your jets if you're Louisville, I think, because you get that money if you don't take them. So why, you know, now you have to figure out: do I go through the hassle and the risk of taking one of these players to try to flip them back somewhere, and do I get more than the seventy five k or more than what I can do with the seventy five k for them? And um, for me, looking at that list, there's there's one player, certainly. There's one, maybe two players that, that maybe you take that risk on um, from, a, from a U.S. perspective. But, um, Rachel, what do you think of, of all these U.S. players available? And um, I don't want to get you fired up about the Barnhart subject already. We'll do the mock draft <laughs> n- next. But Yeah, I think it's – I mean, yeah, the money is definitely – money changes everything, I think. Um especially in this, in this situation. But I think that if, if I'm looking at this expansion draft, I'm thinking of the players who are going to help me immediately. Like, I think that, I don't think there's like pressure for Christy Holly and Louisville to like, they need to come out in 2021 and they need to win the NWSL. I don't think that that pressure is there. Like, yeah, Louisville is a winning city, but that's a different topic for another day. I just think that he needs to find the people who are going to help him immediately. There are some players um, that are U.S. Um, national or and just international players who are overseas right now. And if they're saying that they're going to stay over there and they're not coming back for a while, then, I mean, I'm not taking the gambit on that. Like, you don't know when they're going to come back. So, I mean, I personally, I would stay with what's in the league but at the same time, yeah, if you can flip it, that's definitely – there is some some bait that you can take there. But for me, if I'm Christy Hawley, I'm thinking, okay, who are the players that are going to be in Louisville in 2021 and who is going to help me um, 
make this club into something special and just fire on all cylinders out of the gate. Yeah. Well, two big picture things I want to get to before we, um, before we go to mock drafts and we'll read some of, some of our readers and listeners ones as well. But to, to that point of each of you, I want to ask, you know, next year we have, or the year after this, a year from now, we'll have another expansion draft with at least Angel City FC LA where there is no doubting that a lot of players are going to want to go to. I think that's already like, we're already at the point of like, is this tweet tampering? <laughs> I mean, um, you know, so these, it's going to be a destination. And from everything we're told of assurances, and I hate assurances with expansion, but that Sacramento would be in this group too. So, you know, we're going to go through this again, but, um, and certainly LA at the minimum will be a very sought after destination, but how appealing is Louisville? I mean that, I mean, it's a really basic question, but we're talking about, you know, does a player report and it's different per player, you know, but they've got brand new facilities. They're an expansion team. Um, they have ambitions with, with some of what we've seen in that investment front. Um, you know, they, I don't know that they had, I'm just, I'm getting, I get a mixed sort of, it's, you know, it's not a major market. I'm not sure that that's always a factor, but it is sometimes. I think it will be with LA and particularly people coming from SoCal. You know, so so what do you guys think? I mean, what is the appeal of Louisville? Is it is it massive? Is it somewhere in between? I mean, I look at Louisville and I'm going to compare them a little bit to North Carolina because of the structure. Um, North Carolina is also partnered with a USL club, just like Louisville is. I think in terms of um, the facilities and everything, I, I think that Louisville has the edge on that on um, over North Carolina. Um, but I also look at the coaches too as the um, yeah. kind the the thing that brings people um, to to these respective markets. I mean, Paul Riley is a championship winner. He wins, he wins, he wins, and he builds these teams and he still calls them underdogs. Um, and I think for Christy Hawley, it's a coach that he was in the NWSL. He didn't ha- always have the best success, but now he's getting a fresh start and it's a fresh start with a whole new team. It's, you know, building it from scratch. Like when he was with sky blue, he didn't build a team from scratch. And I think one thing about him is he's a really good drafter. I mean, I looked back at um, the draft classes he had uh, with Sky Blue, and there's some pretty notable names in there. Um, so I think there's definitely some appeal to Louisville, um, the facilities and, and everything around that. And I think the relationship with the USL club is pretty good from what I'm kind of getting from the vibe. Um, and it's a city that is used to winning. So there's going to be a lot of excitement. Like Louisville's not your soccer city USA, but there is a community there that is really passionate about the sport. So I think that helps a lot. John, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think Rachel nailed it because the, the thing I would say is that, we all know that the NWSL and, and women's soccer in general is a very small community. And so people talk and people know, and, you know, opinions of Holly vary. And so I think if, if you're looking at a player who is in their early thirties, mid thirties, who might be wondering if they're going to play another year or two, you probably are looking at the coach and that probably is going to play a factor. 
Um, and then we also know that these players want proximity sometimes to, you know, their family. Uh, so I think based on where these players are originally from probably plays a factor, um, you know, and, and Louisville is a little bit more central and probably a little closer to the East coast. So if you're on the West coast and, and you have family on the East coast, that might be um, a better option, but it's, I think if you're, if you're a young player or you're in your kind of maybe the middle of your career, um, I think there probably would be some excitement to go there. It's a new project and a new stadium and you get to kind of start over. Um, but again, you know, I, I think if you're at the end of your career, I think some of those other intangibles play a much bigger factor. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, those are all good points. And, and the other thing I wanted to touch on too, I think, um, Real quickly, curious of you, of your thoughts on this. Um, there's just a lot of talent in this group on these lists, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at this and I see I had a hard time kind of narrowing the list um, of who I would pick of two from each team. And some of that was just, okay, well, positionally, maybe, you know, there are four defenders from this group and who's the best of them. And then she is the best on that team of the two picks you get there. But there's a lot of talent on these these lists of unprotected players. Um, And I don't know, I'm trying to look, I looked back at previous expansion drafts. I mean, there were certainly talented players selected. So I don't know if that's necessarily different, but we have had this lack of expansion for so long and the promise of it for so long that um, we've seen a lot of talent go overseas. Um, Some skipped drafts, some have maybe quit altogether, whatever it might be. There have not been enough, opportunities for let's call them mid-level players uh very solid professionals but just haven't just haven't been roster space for them um and now we have a new team in 2021 at least one new team in 2022 um and hopefully you know hopefully that the pace of that expansion we get right because you hear these things like 14 teams in the next three years and and you know that i think that is the reverse for me that's a little bit too fast but um, I just, there's a lot of talent here. So, um, you know, I, I think it'd be fun to see these mock drafts. Uh, I don't know. I, I've got a fun fact that I want to end this segment on uh, among a few. I don't know if you all have any other thoughts on before we move on to mock drafts of the talent level or just what jumped out to you from protected, unprotected, but anything, anything you want to add either of you? I think you could, talk about the impact that the challenge cup had mm-hmm. in terms of who, who got protected and who would not have gotten protected a year ago, because you're looking at some of these lists and it goes along with that point you were making about some of these mid-level players never getting a shot because we saw some of those players get a shot. And now they're on these protected lists where, you know, as you, you wouldn't have thought that these were players, they, they weren't a year ago. They were not players that were in a, in a team's given top 15, 16 players. And now at least, you know, within the dynamics and, and the, you know, perhaps game of, of dare that you were talking about, or at least within their, their team's respective top 11s. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are players too, that I probably have on my list for Louisville, who they should pick that maybe is definitely influenced by this year's minimal performances. Um, so, all right, I've got a stat we can end on or an interesting fact that, I know Rachel will appreciate from our Rachel if for anybody who doesn't know Rachel handles a lot of our social social media um, and we were looking at these protected lists and how to tweet them and deal with them and so we are five years removed from the last expansion draft which 
again, as I just said, expansion has been a, a golden goose of a promise for a very long time. It has not actually happened, and I don't count the Utah sort of changeover as really your traditional expansion. Five years later, there are many players who are still on similar teams, or there are players who are unprotected right now that um, have already been part of expansion drafts previously. Um, I'm looking at the 2015 Orlando Pride expansion draft, and you've got uh, Ashlyn Harris went there from uh, from Washington, Jasmine Spencer, Jamia Fields, Tony Presley. So these are all players who are once again sort of in this this mix. But the uh, the real <laughs> amazing one is same team, everything. OL Rain, previously Seattle Rain, then five years later on the unprotected list, Abby Wambach still. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it is. It's poetry. Is, it is <laughs> quite something um, five years later. So, and obviously Abby never played for the rain, but that is a trivia for another day in the wild world of the NWSL. Um, all right. So we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll share a couple of your mock drafts that you all shared with us. Uh, we'll answer a question or two that you have asked of us and we will share our mock drafts so that you can all yell at us. Uh, we'll be right back on the Equalizer podcast. What's up, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, founder of The Equalizer. I want to make sure that you know we also have another podcast called Kicking Back, which is interview-based. We talk to players, coaches, personalities from across women's soccer about defining moments in their career and some important things from the present day and look ahead a little bit to the future. We've had guests like Crystal Dunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, Jill Ellis, Bev Yanez, Ali Riley, Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm, so many already, and many more to come. So please go ahead and check out Kicking Back Pod on any platform you find your podcast after, of course, you've finished up with this episode of the Equalizer Podcast. All right, we're back here on the Equalizer podcast. Real quickly, if you are not subscribing to EqualizerSoccer.com, please go ahead and check us out, EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe, and check out all our premium content. We've got a ton of analysis news, breaking news, scoops, uh, and exclusive interviews and features uh, just for our members. You will not be disappointed, I promise you. You also get first look at some mock drafts. Rachel did one this week. And now she will share one, although she has told me she is rethinking some things. So stay tuned right here on this podcast. Uh, we're going to get into our mock drafts here. So again, the rules, slightly complicated. Uh, we've got a link to them in the show description of what Louisville can do, but essentially two players at maximum from each team, uh, one player if it's a U.S. Federation player. And that's something that that's a topic we're going to talk about. Um, I think we'll, we'll talk about it. Afterward, we'll, we'll do our picks first, and then we can talk about um, the, the dare and whether any of us took it or not to, to take any of these U.S. players or go for the cash, um, which um, one of the things I do want to note quickly among this long uh, PDF of rules from the league is that cash can now be used on the, among other things, the first pick of the 2021 draft. So, uh, this may or may not be part of the Katarina Macario rule and would be a factor for Louisville potentially. Um, but we know how the 
quote unquote Mallory Pugh rule went. I think John, you and I were sitting next to each other in that draft room as that <laughs> nonsense happened a few years back and it didn't actually pan out. So um, that we'll see about how that goes, but um, let's get into, to these mock drafts. Uh, Rachel, I guess we'll start with you. I'll go last. I'm going to, I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. Uh, so you get two players at maximum from each team. You're looking to build out your roster. If you're Louisville, um, I just mentioned, I want to quickly mention, I'll paraphrase him. I spoke with Christy Holly in August after he was named head coach of Louisville, asked him, how are you going to build this team? And his answer was more or less, he's looking for goal scorers and leaders uh, who will do the dirty work, dirty work being a direct quote. Um, and there's plenty of them in this league, he said. So it's not a ton of description, but I think it gives a little bit of direction for us on goal scorers. And certainly I think um, I, I kind of read between the lines of proven winners, maybe in this league um, and, and sort of gritty players. And I think that would kind of fit the profile for him too. But um, Rachel, let's start with you. Let's just go um, again, folks, you can look at the whole unprotected list. Some of these teams have 20 plus players on their lists or more than 20 really with, with the rights and everything. But um We'll just go in order here of, of who are you taking from each team? Tell us, and then we can talk about the list a little bit, and, and John and I can react a little bit. So you want me to just say my first pick, or? Yeah, let's go, let's go in order of the teams. Like, I mean, we were looking at these alphabetical as lists, I guess. That's how I have mine up anyway. But go, go in whatever order you want. I mean, for me, this draft is – we were going to do this as a mock draft, folks, um, listening – where we did the pullback thing and we were each like a team GM, but like Louisville, like I said, they can just make this list. And I don't know if the order matters so much as it's just whoever's picked first is, I don't know if that's who they want to send a message to as their go-to player, but yeah, the order won't matter so much because they can pick whoever here. So maybe you want to start with Houston, go alphabetical or however you have it listed in front of you. Let's hear. Yeah, I'll go, thinking. I'll go alphabetical. If I'm just going to name everyone, um, or just stick with just Houston for now and then move to John or, or all of it? No, let's, let's hear it from, from everybody. Oh, I want to see the, let's see the full list. Okay. All right. So for Houston, um, I have racing, Rossing, Louisville, taking Brie Vasali and CC Kaiser. I have for the North Carolina Courage, um, racing, taking Addison Merrick. And um, I'm going to go with Havana Salon. For Orlando Pride, I know this is a gamble, but they, I think they're going to take Alana Kennedy and Shalina Zadorsky, who are both currently with Tottenham Hotspur right now. Uh, for Portland Thorns, I have them taking Britt Eckerstrom and Angela Salem. And then for OL Reign, I have them taking Celia Jimenez Delgado. And I am going to backtrack on my uh, original mock draft, and instead of more. Morgan Andrews, I'm going to have them take Jasmine Spencer. For Sky Blue FC, I have them taking Jennifer Kugel and Dami Richardson. For Utah Royals, I have them taking Gunny Yonsauter and um, Desiree Scott. And for Washington Spirit, I have them taking Crystal Thomas and Avery Collins. So no Federation players for the U.S. at least. No Federation players. So you're also passing go and pocketing 150 grand as the Louisville mock drafter. Absolutely. Okay. John, what do you, what jumps out to you from 
Rachel's drafting skills here? Yeah, I the actually probably the number one thing would be the John's daughter. If you know, do you think she actually comes and plays? Because that was that was kind of the thing that would have scared me off. Um, yeah, I was I was kind of going back and forth with um, John's daughter and Brittany Ratcliffe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in terms, I, I think the list I have is pretty young for the most part. So I wanted to get kind of a, a veteran presence in there with, um, with like Angela Salem and Gunny Yon's daughter. So, uh, yeah, that definitely kind of scared me off too. But worst comes to worst, you flip it back. Yeah. The other two things that I thought was like Kaiser was on my original list and then I switched her off. Um, but that was one, she, she's a player that I'd like to get, but I didn't think I had room the way I had everything structured. And then I think Eckerstrom is the smart pick from Portland, but I think I would probably do something stupid and wild there that we'll talk about when okay. we get to my list. Well, the, so. the Let's gold, get wild. The goalkeepers were a tough spot for me. Cause like I said, in the first segment, the Casey Murphy thing just kind of threw me totally off yeah. guard. But when I looked at the, you know, my biggest thing was, A.D. Franch or Britt Eckerstrom, because no matter what, I was taking a goalkeeper from Portland. Right. And then I thought, well, go with the hot hand. Um, A.D. Franch is coming off an injury. She didn't play at all in 2020. So go with what you know is is available. I mean, that could change at any instance, of course. But, I mean, I, I'm going with the hot hand. I'm going with the smart, non-chaotic pick. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my mindset there. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I will say, Rachel, I'm looking back, so I'm counting. So from this draft then, you've got four internationals. That's high. So Yeah, I, that's why for uh, Havana Salon too, I have on my list um, Havana Salon or Ali Watt. So I could see that going um, either way. But, yeah, I know it's high, but I think I think it's worth it, especially if, like, they can get some sort of commitment that Alana Kennedy and Shalina Zadorsky do um, come to, to Louisville in sometime in 2021. Yeah. But if they don't totally disregard my Orlando prize selections, <laughs> well, so, <laughs> but I so, think, I think Jimenez Delgado is definitely, I think she needs to be picked. It hurts my heart saying that for the rain, but I think she is a very solid defender. I could see her coming back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm curious. So it'd be Jennifer Cujo, Gunny, Celia, and Kennedy in that in that scenario. So, so and then you've got Yuki Nagasato there already as well. So I guess the question for Louisville is going to be: Do they? I mean, we don't we don't really know what they're working on on the side. They did acquire that international spot for two years from Chicago, so they've got a bonus one. Um, but kind of who they value in that that international market. And I, you know, again, it's not, I mean, I asked you guys this of how appealing is Louisville. I don't know. It's hard to say, but these things do usually factor a little bit with internationals as well. Like you hear big time players, they want to be in Portland if they're coming over to the U S right. They want to be, maybe they're going to want to be in LA, but you don't really see huge players go to, I don't want to say smaller teams, but, but lesser, less, uh, popular teams and, and certainly smaller markets and Louisville is going to have a little bit of that, that smaller market sort of vibe to it. Right. So, um, yeah, for do, sure. Do you get these players who are available and hope that they come, you know, well, I think in, in, you know, Kennedy, you make the point, but 
otherwise. I mean, these are players who are here. Um, Gunny is on loan. So, John, you sounded like you maybe are wondering what she's going to do next. Yeah, there's a bunch of them like that, like yeah. that we talked about. Because the other one, um, and I don't have my lists right here in front of me, but, you know, would the Japanese players, you know, stay if you pick them? Or would they decide that maybe this isn't for them? Yeah. Um, you look at all those internationals, there's, there's what five or six maybe that I would certainly take if I, if I knew for sure they were going to stay. And that's the other thing. Like we don't know the conversations. Holly has probably called, you know, a dozen of these players up or, or at least talked to their agents. Yeah, exactly. If, if we take this player, are they going to stay? Cause again, like, and again, I don't think she'd, she'd go play for Louisville, but like if Vera was available, if you know, if she's going to come, <laughs> right. you're going to take her. Right. I yeah. mean, it's madness not to. Yeah. You mentioned, I think Kumi Yokoyama is, is an interesting player on right. this unprotected list from the Washington spirit. You're right. I, I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know what the rules around tampering in that are. And I'm going to say, because nothing's written and it is the NWSL that, Maybe they don't know either, but right. you know, if I'm Christy Holly, I'm definitely at the very least on the phone with an agent. And if nobody explicitly told me it's wrong and I have a personal relationship with any of these players, probably trying to make sure if, if I pick your name, are you going to show up and, or do we have something here? Um, which is obviously a tough spot to put a player in, but uh, yeah, I would think, I would hope that I would think that there's some homework being done, um, especially on some of these, these international players. Um, but there's a lot, you know, Rachel made some of these picks and I'm sure maybe John, you and I did as well. I don't know if I did actually for, but there's a lot, there's the international question and, and the international roster spots. And there's also, there's playing rights, um, which is I'm kind of joking that Abby Wambach is still on this list, but like Lauren Holiday is still on this list for Utah somehow. <laughs> Lori Lindsay. Uh, Lori Lindsay's on this list, but, but like more seriously, um, uh, you know, there's, there are playing rights to a lot of players who are, you know, out of the league, but maybe some of these players left the league because they didn't want to be at that particular team. Uh, they needed a new opportunity. Like there are some playing rights, quote unquote, uh, that are, you know, legitimately up for grabs here. And um, some of these are, are even like, you know, we're talking about the U S players because it's technically playing rights for, um, some of these U.S. players abroad. So I think a lot of interesting questions around internationals and um, and playing rights and who's going to report, which we talked about a little bit. So um, I'm just looking at, before I move on, so I'm looking at Rachel's list here on the quickly. So I think you did say this off air. You're pretty defensive heavy here. Do you, yeah. do, do you regret that, Rachel? <laughs> no, I don't. Because, okay. and I know what you said about Christy Hawley wanting to have people that go and attack. Well, it depends what kind of system he plays. I mean, left backs and right backs have been known for quite some time to get up in the attack. And, yeah, I mean, like, we've seen it with Addison Merrick. I think we've seen it with uh, Jimenez Delgado. Um, I I think that, yeah, it's defensive heavy, but you need defense to play out of the back. This is true. This is true. Um I will break this segment up a little bit. I'll quickly read. We got a a mock draft from Griff at AW Griff on Twitter and had some agreement, a few agreements with you, I think. Um, Eckerstrom from the Thorns as well. Morgan Andrews, who you originally had from the rain, Taylor Smith. Uh, Zadorsky was with you on that. 
um, some interesting picks there. So some overlap as well. Ratcliffe came up from, from the Royals. Kajo, I think, is probably on. I don't know. We'll see what John's got to say. Maybe I'll leave you suspenseful on, on ours. Sky Blue obviously made some kind of bet here. I mean, I don't know what um, – I'm surprised that they didn't protect her after that challenge cup and signing her to a new deal and kind of a, a lot of hype around her too, but um, here she is available. So, you know, we'll see what, what Christy Holly thinks and, but she seems to be on a lot of people's lists, Jennifer Cujo, but um, so thank you for sharing that. Griff will share a couple more through this. Let's um, let's go to John, John, what's your, let's do the same thing. If you have it in that order, if you have it in a different order, that's fine, but let's, Let's see uh, who you taking from these eight available teams, no Red Stars, which I'm sure I, – I would have loved to have seen you pick that Red Stars team, John. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I'm sure Claire had plenty of thoughts last <laughs> week. So, um, All right, so we're doing this by team, right? Let's do it, yeah. Okay, and uh, I'll save my caveats, I suppose, for the end here. Okay. There's quite a few. but um, Okay, so starting with Houston, uh, I decided to go with Allie Prysock and Brie Vassalli. For Orlando, uh, I went with Carson Pickett. Uh, I would take McLeod if she was willing to go, but I, I don't. That's another one of those ones that's probably a, a tricky situation. Uh, for North Carolina, I went with Addison Merrick and Kaylee Kurtz. For Portland, and this is the one that I, I kind of reconsidered, so this will be a surprise to you guys too because we didn't talk about this. I, I reconsidered uh, as we were kind of opening up, and I, I would go with A.D. Franch. Uh, from O.L. Rain, I went with Julia Ashley and Taylor Smith. From Sky Blue, I went with uh, Jennifer Cujo and Sabrina Flores. Uh, from Utah, this is another, this is kind of my other big role. I would take uh, Kristen Press, and we can talk about why. And then uh, from the Washington Spirit, I'd go with Meggie Doherty Howard and Megan McCool. Wow, okay. So you pulled some, you pulled some surprises there on us, John. Um, so you are, forget the cash, you're taking two U.S. players, 80 yep. French. So let's start there. What 80 French, you've got three potential Portland goalkeepers and, and plenty of other goalkeepers to pick from. Why 80 French above everybody else with the price tag and everything? Right. So I think where I came down was that if, if Bixby wasn't coming off an ACL, I probably would have taken, taken her and then maybe you know, Celeste Beret or, or Tyler Lucy or somebody like that. But, um, and I do think that Rachel probably made the smart decision taking Ekstrom. I do think that's the smart play. Um, but I think you take French, you make sure that you are secure in the back because you're probably going to be playing quite a bit of defense being a first year team that, that hasn't played together. You get a national team presence again, assuming, you know, she's going to be willing uh, to come. Um, but I think you get that national team presence. You get somebody to sell your, your season tickets around. You get somebody who is right in the middle of their career who, you know, assuming that they stay, you're probably going to get five or more years out of somebody who's going to be a leader in your locker room, uh, especially for those younger players. Mm -hmm. So this my big thing with Portland. The toughest thing here with, with doing that is I think the Thorns have the most talent on the board here. Not maybe not on a you know team for team. I still think that's the courage when we're talking the entire squad of the thorns. I mean that's a one-two conversation. But in terms of who's unprotected and some potential, so mm -hmm. you do you know you do French and you obviously lose 
you lose out on a second player from Portland. And right. that's where I have trouble because, I mean, you listed them from that group of, if you do Eckerstrom, if you take Eckerstrom, I mean, you could have Beret, uh, Tyler Lucy, um, Angela Salem, Gabby Seiler, Kristen Westfall. Yep. I don't know if you try to entice Haley Rasso. She's doing awfully well for Everton, and I don't know if she'd want to come. But, you know, there's so much there that French, you know, that that's tough to take one and not get anybody else from Portland because there's so much talent there. And you need, yep. you need bodies, too, when you're building the team. Yeah, and so actually let me just tie this into the, the Kristen Press okay. choice because, again, I don't think she would come. So this is kind of a long-term play. And I think my, my thought press process on it was that um, if she's probably not going to play in the league next year, right? Or if she does, it would be very late in the season. Um, so you do that with the thought that you trade her to L.A., in the off season between 2021, 2022. And I think you could probably get more than 150 K for her either in, you know, value or allocation money. And Mm -hmm. if you can do that, then basically you make up for not taking that money now. And you basically have gotten French for free uh, the way that you, you structure Mm -hmm. that. Okay. Uh, they, They also have two first round draft picks. So they obviously can build, you know, a little bit through the draft, Rachel mentioned, you know, Holly, um, you know, being able to draft. So you're still going to get what at this point, I think five players through the draft with the picks that they have. So I think you can kind of make up for that a little bit on that end. Yeah. So Rachel, you went Gunny and Desiree Scott there. Um, let's, I want to talk about this, um, this Kristen press availability in this draft from a Utah perspective too. So, uh, Rachel, first, what what um what have what essentially said for you? No, I wouldn't do it, and take her, or I'd rather have these two. Um, over Kristen Press, I think just the fact that to to my point earlier, if I'm Christy Holly, I want people who are going to play for me starting um, in March, April, whenever the season begins. Um, I don't want to wait around. I don't really care too much about flipping. Um, flipping the for cash and and for other players and whatnot with angel city when they come into the league, if you know, that's who they want to deal with. Um, I'm looking for people who are going to make an immediate impact for me. And I think that um, there's definitely a lot of good choices for the Royals on their, um, on their protected unprotected lists. Um, But for me, I think, I think there is definitely a gamble with Kristen press. And honestly, like, I look back at the reason why I didn't pick her. I look back at that situation with Chicago and Houston and the Royals. And I don't know if I can handle that much chaos again. I don't know if she can handle that much chaos again. Um, so I, I'm picking probably the smoothest sailing route that I can think of. But I understand John's um, John's thought process for it. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a good idea if you want to, you know, make money and, you know, flip it and whatnot. But yeah. I mean, for me, I just want to see the players who want to be there. So, yeah. Well, that's, totally, I mean, that could be something that's, that actually sounded like coach speak, Rachel. That could be something that Christy Holly might be saying to, to his uh, prospective players, his team that he wants to build a team of players who want to be there. And, you know, I, I totally get that. I do. We should touch on this a little bit because um, we've, we've alluded to some of it and we've talked about players available and big names and why they're, why they're there, why they 
probably won't get picked. Some of these others um, from, from Krieger and Harris and Lloyd and Heath, but the press, you know, like I said, Portland had to leave three of those five because of the rules. Utah had two U.S. players, two U.S. Federation players, Kelly O'Hara, who's protected. Um, and, you know, there was obviously, if you're following along here, there was some fall drama of reports of her getting traded and then not. And that's just kind of in limbo. And, and everything in Utah is kind of in limbo right now, ownership and coaching and, and everything. But um, this, they could have protected Kristen Press. So, I want to bring up uh, Alex Vihar from the Salt Lake Tribune who covers the team locally, published the story on Friday, uh, Thursday after this list came out, Thursday night. And uh, he says, he writes, a team source with knowledge of the situation tells Salt Lake Tribune that there isn't much confidence that press will ever play for Utah again. And it goes on to say that the team source believes that getting the $75,000 in allocation money, which Utah would get if press was selected by Louisville as compensation is a better scenario than trading her and giving up players who actually want to play in Utah and can contribute in 2021. The source added that's the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, I I'm with John on the, the potential value of flipping her to LA, even if she never comes to Louisville. I think this is nuts from Utah. I really do. I mean, the idea I, I get, a lot of the backdrop and the background and, you know, how they want to try to play this. There's obviously a lot changing in Utah, but in, in simple black and white terms, they've said, we will part with Kristen Press for $75,000. I mean, even if you feel you have no leverage in how you can make a trade, um, where she wants to be, you can get more than $75,000 for her. Maybe you don't want to yeah. go through the the hassle of who do you, go, you know, maybe you have to package a deal and you, that's what they're trying to allude to about giving up a player who wants to be in Utah. But like press would be for multiple players coming back. I don't think you need to necessarily have multiple players going somewhere else with her. So I, I'm still, I can't even after many phone calls on this um, and, and trying to understand what's going on here, $75,000 valuation for, for press to just let her go. Um, when, in, in especially given the context of what's coming, which John, you said in why you picked her, she's not, she's likely like, she's not going to be there most of, if not all of 2021 anyway. She's playing with Manchester United until May at the minimum. Then there's the Olympics. Now you're into September. Like if she stays on your roster and she doesn't come, or if she leaves, you know, she leaves. Either way, we're talking about getting to almost this time next year when LA is going to come around. And I don't know, LA doesn't have a coach yet. We don't know what they want, but like there, it's very abundantly obvious that press and LA make sense. Like you don't think you can get more than 75 grand from LA for her potentially, or I just, I can't follow this from Utah. Somebody, yeah. somebody. Well, no, we've out. seen that. I mean, look, we saw that. I mean, listen, she, she, she went through Chicago twice. The first time they picked up Sam Kerr and the second time they got a draft pick, which resulted in Tierna Davidson. So there's, there's value there that, that Utah could get maybe if they were a little, a little more savvy or persistent about, you know, how they, how they played this. Um, and it, you know, it's probably not going to get pretty. It never does. It wasn't pretty when Chicago dealt her because I mean, we all know that story about how, Houston was told that she'd come and then she didn't come and um, it's it's not going to be easy but 
certainly, as you said, you can get more than 75,000. And I think they protected the wrong Federation player. I mean, they protected Kelly O'Hara over Kristen Press. And I think that, like, that is just mind-boggling to me. Okay, they're not confident that Kristen Press is going to play for Utah again. Whatever. But Kelly O'Hara is actively trying to get out of Utah and has made it very clear that she does not want to play for Utah. So why are you protecting her? And, and the value, because when the when the trade with Washington was trying to happen and Utah was asking for so much for Kelly O'Hara, who has a hard time staying healthy and doesn't play in matches and is out for long periods of time with the international or the national team, then it, you know, that's, that's not going to work. That crumbled pretty quickly. So I think the value for Kristen press is a lot higher than it is for Kelly O'Hara. And so to me, they protected the wrong international player. I mean, I would have protected, I would have protected Gunny over Kelly O'Hara too, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, my sentiment probably stands for O'Hara too, though, of like, I mean, you protect those two players and if, if you need to move on from them, if they want to move on, you get something back from them. I mean, I guess the 75 K is, is something, but I, I don't know. Um, you know, again, we'd have to, it's kind of an incomplete until we see what, you know, a team does with that money, but it's not a ton of money. It's not six figures to go out and maybe get a big international. I mean, I just don't quite know. Um, I mean, both scenarios, I think you, you have to get something back and you have to get something more than 75,000 in cash back. And, and um, I think it's probably for another day as Utah continues to um, get a slow trickle of what's going on there coming very slowly, uh, but ever so slowly figuring out, what are the who are the Royals going to be um, is is going to be a big question and I don't know I don't think it helps that they're going through this process uh, without a long term coach in place um, or or whoever is going to be guiding the team next year to you know shape that vision I'm sure that the list would probably look different um, and you know I don't know I mean whoever you hire now potentially you've got they're going to come in and say why'd you do this. I mean, I could have, I could have used these players or, or done something more for them. So um, I think that's a, that was, I know we've strayed from John's mock draft a little bit, but that was a point uh, we probably should have talked about in segment one, but definitely need to, to touch on here because I think it's the big, it's the big conundrum of the draft for me, at least at a high profile level of, of what Louisville does and, and obviously what Utah's done in, in protecting. So um, let me scroll back so we don't get too off the rails here. Um, Pickett, McLeod, France we talked about. How about uh, John Kurtz and Merrick from North Carolina? That's, that's another team with a, a lot yeah. of talent there. What, what uh, led you down that road? So this is another one where when I, I, I think I first looked at the list, um, I was thinking Caitlin Rowland as, as a potential backup goalkeeper. And I know that you know she's had some moments where people might have thought that was controversial. But she also, I, I think, in my opinion, basically won – uh, maybe not one, but was a massive contributor in that 2018 championship game, especially the way that, you know, she can handle the box very well with, with lofted balls in. Um, but when I thought about it more, I thought, you know, goalkeepers are easier um, to acquire overall. And I think that, you know, in terms of, of picking what probably is going to be a backup <clears throat> that you could find better value 
Uh, I thought Merrick played really well in the fall series. Obviously, they relied on her quite a bit. And then Kurtz, um, well, one, because you need a center back. And in fact, I'm a little bit embarrassed because my I think my roster only has two natural center backs. And um, so it's a little bit short there. But uh, Kurtz obviously was, was somebody that Riley um, relied on uh, quite a bit in the 20, summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, I think there's a couple of interesting um, North Carolina. There's Kaylee Kurtz and then Carrie Ricaro as well, I think mm-hmm. could, could fit that profile of an interesting, um, an interesting pick who's got experience and maybe didn't get a lot, you know, as much as she could have given that she was on North Carolina. Um, but, but like, and I think Watt that, too. Watt's yeah. another one that I think if she wasn't on an ACL that you'd right. probably grab. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of sort of solid talent, um, so it's really, I think, going to be a, a chemistry question and, and really a style question for, for Holly as he puts this together. So, um, okay, I've, I've held out um, and made you all pick. So I guess it's, it's my turn. Though John might have stolen a little bit of my thunder here um, with, with one of his pick. Um, so I'll go, I'll go in order. So Houston, I'm with you both on Vasali. I think you both said Brie Vasali, right? I think that's, yep. that's just a yes. no-brainer here from Houston after that Challenge Cup, which is a good point at the Challenge Cup. Um, I think before that, I don't know if that's what I'm saying here, but that certainly made it for me. Um, and then I thought this is – so I see you on Ali Prysuk, Ali Prysuk, Christine Nairn, C.C. Kaiser as well. I think Christine Nairn on this list, a veteran. He wants a leader, Christy, Christy Holly. Um, I think Nairn is a player. She's been on a few teams now. Um, I think she's a little bit of surplus maybe in that midfield. I mean, at one point, I still am not sure why she was playing fullback for Houston at one point this year, but um, I think she's a player who can uh, provide leadership. She's 30. She's still got, you know, plenty of of skill and talent. Um, So I'm interested there. And I think you can do some other things defensively elsewhere. Uh, North Carolina, Allie Watt, who we just mentioned, I've got, Allie Watt going um, just based on the upside longer term. I mean, the ACL was June. I mean, I don't know where that puts her necessarily for next year, but just thinking longer term, I think it's a player you can invest in um, and who, who had a lot of, you know, I mean, this is a player North Carolina really wanted and we know how North Carolina has been able to rate talent. And then uh, Lauren Malay, who's, who's kind of been that fill in number 10 this year, I thought has been very good. Maybe another name that otherwise maybe, didn't have a platform, but now that we've seen her a little bit, you know, we've seen Paul Riley talked about her for a while. Um, I thought she'd been good and she could be again, you know, similar to Nairn, like a very serviceable midfielder uh, for Louisville. Orlando, I've got Carson Pickett, uh, just like you, John. And then uh, like you, Rachel Zadorsky, you know, question of whether she comes back, but in terms of what I'm looking at here from Orlando, there's, there's some different ways you can go, but Zadorsky, she's experienced. She, she'd miss a fair amount of next year, most likely between, you know, various duties, including the Olympics. But um, I think experienced defender, if you think she's going to stick around for a little bit, um, you know, she's also an international caliber player without the international tag because it's Canada and a Federation player. So, um, you know, I like that. And then Portland, I'm, I'm taking Britt Eckerstrom as the goalkeeper. I think that's, you know, again, the point was made that Bixby's got the injury. Um, French, my point earlier, you wouldn't be able to get somebody 
else from Portland, which I think is, there's a lot of options here. This was probably the hardest for me, but um, looking at long-term upside and versatility uh, with Britt Eckerstrom from Portland, I'm taking Gabby Seiler. I think she's just too talented in different positions. We haven't seen the best from her yet with different injuries in that. Um, she could be a DM for you. She could be a center back, fullback if you need her to be. I think th there's a lot of upside there um, to take her and, and probably best on the board there among a lot of good options outside of Federation players from Portland. Um, O.L. Rain, Morgan Andrews, Taylor Smith, um, just for that one, you know, is looking at kind of potential upside leadership experience. Um, and I think, you know, depends on what Holly wants. Sky Blue, Jennifer Cujo. And then uh, another defensive pick for me, Kaylee Real uh, from Sky Blue, who's, who's new, hasn't, we haven't seen much of her, but uh, young, talented player, you know, came out of this, came into this previous draft with a lot of, a lot of hype. Sky Blue is big on her. Um, I think that's one that uh, was probably a tough one to leave unprotected for Sky Blue. We talked about their decisions a little bit. Uh, and then John stealing my thunder a little bit. Utah, as you can tell from my ramped evaluation, if I'm Louisville, I'm taking Kristen Press. And, you know, I 75 grand out of the 150 we lose, fine. I still get 75 grand for not taking a second U.S. player in, in this mock draft of mine anyway. I'm taking Press and maybe by some miracle she comes. I mean, I highly doubt it, but I sit there and either she comes back, we move her to LA, you know, we do something with her, but it just like, I don't know how you don't take that risk for, you know, and I, you're not even losing 75 grand of money that you kind of is in your pocket, so to speak. It's kind of like a flaunted uh, bonus. So, um, and then Washington, Maggie Doherty Howard and, Assuming that you have these conversations we've kind of joked about, Kumi Yokoyama, um, I'd go for it with the international slot there with her uh, if, she'll, if she'll come. So, all right, we'll flip the script. You guys tell me why mine was horrible or not. <laughs> um, I'm ahead, curious <laughs> about Yokoyama. <laughs> um, I mean, I, if I'm looking at Washington, I'm looking at like all of the really young, almost like, I don't want to call them homegrown because that's not a rule in NWSL, but I think that's probably the best way to describe them. So it will be soon. Just, just your thought soon. process. Um, yes, absolutely. Like Crystal Thomas jumps out, uh, I think, and you picked her, right, Rachel? Yeah. I mean, I just see, you know, again, this is, we're making a lot of assumptions in these, these uh, drafts. I hope everyone listening realizes that um, informed assumptions in some places, but you know, depends on conversations that are had, what Louisville wants. But um, if she's someone who's going to show up and come, like I saw a lot of upside from her this year. So, um, you know, internationals, you know, she's someone who's already here and signed, has seen the league a little bit. You've seen her a little bit in the league. Um, I think she's just, she brings significant talent to, to a team that, is going to need some, you know, a little bit more leadership. Because I think, like, even I, I would like to think the rest of my draft had some of this. Kind of those younger role player, has potential type of players you can get elsewhere as well. Mm -hmm. And can you say your OL rain picks again? Yes, Taylor Smith and Morgan Andrews. Okay, no qualms. <laughs> John, we agree on press. 
Yeah, you know, let me just kind of go through a couple other ones. That, like we, we talked about Watt, which I think is kind of a gutsy pick considering the ACL and the fact that you do have a lot of other players that North Carolina has used over the summers or even over the, the Challenge Cup and Fall Series when they've been missing some of their stars. So there are, there are some other players on there. Um, but uh, Malay is a, a good shout too off of that. So I think, you know, when we look at North Carolina, there's probably five players that you could grab off of there who could help you right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Reel's an interesting one too. Um, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure we really know what she can do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I went with Flores. I, I was struggling with them because I thought they had three or four good choices, sky blue. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I I do think Flores could probably be a top level outside back or is a top level outside back hmm. is probably a better way to put it. Okay. Um, but uh, real real is an interesting one too. Cause again, you know, we're not a hundred percent sure. And then you pick Smith, like I did, I still can't understand OL Reigns protected list. I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you're not convinced Smith has, is, is a back to where she was, you know, 2017 and, and pre-injury, but, boy, she has such a top level. Plus she can play outside back. She can play right. forward. You can do different things with her. Yeah. There's well, some to add more things. chaos for OL Reign, I was like five seconds away from picking Shirley Cruz. So <laughs> yeah, there's I'm another one. She didn't like her list doesn't make total sense to me. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's, um, I think Utah, OL Reign are probably the, the two lists that are the most confusing. Sky Blue maybe is in that in that mix, but you can at least see kind of what they were. Well, let me ask the other question that we talk about, you know, for anybody who follows MLS, when we talk about foreign coaches coming over and not quite understanding the process, like, Mm -hmm. do you think that, that because OL Reign now has, you know, a French coach and he's doesn't even have a full season under his belt, or do you think this was a, a decision that was above him in terms of who to protect? I don't know if it was above. I think it was probably in collaboration. Like I think the the built-in protection there is that Bill Predmore is still, you mm-hmm. know, very much involved in in a lot of all this. So I'm sure there's, you know, at the very least, there's guidance on like here's how this works to make sure that you know you know there's an understanding of what's going to happen here and how they need to think for the here and now. Think about this again next year. So I think. Um, I agree with you. I think there is a, a history of like foreign coaches struggling at least initially. And that's something that MLS has had to, um, but, and that's because these rules are sometimes just chaotic and archaic, but um, the uh, yeah, I think, I think there's some, some help there, you know, from Predmore and, and the rest of that, that staff. I'm just, I'm just bewildered by at least two of his, two of his choices there. So. Okay. It is what it is, I suppose. Only two. <laughs> well, all right. So you only have 11, so it's like 20, <laughs> 20% of the list. Moral so. of the, of the, so uh, we're coming away most confused by Utah and OL Reign in what they're trying to do here. Um, and I think in both cases, these are two teams that are high on the list of like, that speaks to a macro level. What are we trying to do here? So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm very interested to see what what Louisville does. Um, let me I'll share another quick mock draft uh, parts of it here. We got one from Tristan on Twitter, uh, Brie Vasali, Addison Merrick, Lauren Malay, 
Carson Pickett, Britt Eckerstrom, Celia, Rosie White, talking about the rain. That's an interesting, I mean, it, you're talking about an international side. I think she's been very good when she's been, been on. I think the consistency hasn't been there, but it's probably a bit of a risk on an international spot would be my, my guess there. With yeah, Rosie I White. agree. If I'm taking, you know, if I'm taking a player like that, I'm probably going to go with Danny Weatherholt instead. Mm. Um, and actually, let me, Tristan, uh, on Tristan's mock draft here, Mallory Weber and Brittany Radcliffe from the Royals. I, I think that's a pretty good shout. I think Mallory Weber is a very solid player who doesn't get a ton of credit, you know, for what she has done. Um, I think, like, when we're talking about expansion, it's, like, I don't mean this offensively, but, you like, you need to be a solidly serviceable player to, like, build, you know, as you're building an expansion team. I think she's very much that. Reckless, a decent player too. They have yeah. what three forwards on that list between there's, there's her, there's um ship, there's Strom Okimoto, you know, different players you could play in your front line there. Mm. And yeah. Ratcliffe was a, I think she started, she was, she was the starter next to A-Rod during the challenge cup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's Annie green uh, sent us a message on Facebook wondering about this and this is maybe a good place to end it. So, um, she is asking us, is it a good move for Christy Holly to grab both Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, who are both unprotected, with the chance that uh, – she asks if they might actually report to Louisville, but I guess you could also use our theory about the, the flip to L.A., and that would be 150000 Louisville lose instead of seventy five if they did both. But um, both currently playing at Manchester United. Uh, none of us – none of the three of us here talking – took two U.S. players from anywhere. This is a rare scenario. Like, you couldn't take two Portland players because of the the um, the rules, but you could take both of these players because they're on, they're on different NWSL teams. Um, I don't know. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but maybe a good place to end because I think, I think the answer here from all of us is no. Am, am I, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I don't know that that's a great move to use all 150,000 and try to do that. I do think it's probably a good move for press. Um, somebody cut me off if you think you would try this in any No, way. you could try it because you could you could do it as a long-term play and just get your teeth kicked in for a year and just realize that you're not going to really be competitive in year one anyway. <laughs> it's it's a it's a two-year play, you know, which I did half of that when I, right. you know, uh, what I would said I would take press. Uh, and I did take French, which means I would have ended up in that same boat with the two True. The two U.S. players, but obviously hoping that French would stay and, mm-hmm. you know, be the backbone of the, the team for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you went zero U.S. players, so. Yep. The non-U.S. players are more enticing to me. Okay. I think for the immediate future, that's right. And I said, when you took Ekstrom, it was like, yeah, that's the smart play. Actually, I think both of you took Ekstrom. Yeah. It's like, that's the smart play there. I just, you know, I, I sat on that one for a while. <laughs> All right. Well, so I don't, Annie, maybe, I don't know. Is it a good move for Christy Holly to take press and Heath? Um, I think that the thing that holds me back from doing two U.S. players, taking two U.S. players is – I do think you can get way more for press if you needed to move her again than 75,000. But um, if you, I mean, Macario has to be part of this thinking, this process of thinking and this conversation, because I mean, all indications seem to be that, you know, she would be here in the U S playing. I mean, this seems to be her, 
preferred destination professionally. It obviously is. She just got citizenship, you know, for the national team now. Uh, a couple more hoops to jump through for the actual national team, but she has citizenship. So you need something there to apply to her because I'm going to, you know, they've, they've changed this rule for a reason. Like I think she's going to command on the market more than the max of 50 K. So you need something there to, to play with for Macario. And that's a player who could, you know, this league changes a lot, but could be there for you. You, you have her for 10 years to come and not, you know, a 33 year old or otherwise. So you could um, also trade that first, that first pick for that same reason. For people who want Macario. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. And maybe pick up three, four players in a, in a trade. Well, I guess in that scenario you could, yeah, you could try the press and Heath or press and somebody and trade that pick and then get somebody back. And you've got your answer for short term. A lot of questions for Louisville to answer. Or you get the money. If you're, if right. you're upset that you didn't get the 150, maybe you trade the number one pick for 150 and right. make that right. work. Yeah. I, look, it's going to be interesting folks. We'll be back here next week to see just how correct or wrong we were on all of this. Um, I'm sure very correct. Um, but Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern is the big day, the big night, the expansion draft. Racing Louisville FC is going to select up to 16 players with, again, no Chicago selections. Um, interesting stuff, I think, what, what's going to happen. And the point – oh, I meant to say this. This was in my notes, folks. Um, the thing that I would, I'm going to be looking for that would throw a wrench in everything we just talked about is, which I think would very much could be happening right now, is – there are a lot of talented players on this list and I want to leave you, leave everybody with this note. Um, Louisville is not the only one drafting here. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of these players are now exposed to leave their teams for some version of free, so to speak. And there are teams around the league who want some of these players who maybe have wanted some of these players for a long time. So it's a phone call to Christy Holly to say, who do you want from us? And let's pre-trade because the trade window opens again Friday, which is going to be, I think, potentially some all hell breaking loose again. So it's a quick phone call to Christy Holly to say, pick this player, flip her to us on Friday or whatever day. And, you know, we've got a package deal waiting for you. So um, even on come Thursday, I don't, you know, you got to wait and see what Louisville does with, with some of these players. That's uh, it's my parting shot, folks. John, Rachel, anything before we go? Nope, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. We'll probably be a hundred percent accurate. Hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. Uh, well, that's why they call them mock drafts. Um, this was fun. We went a little bit long, but I think mock drafts um, call for that. We have to. We got to talk out the picks, yell about these lists because there are some baffling things that that went on there. Uh, but nothing's easy. We'll acknowledge that. This is not an easy position to be in for any GM or coach or anybody. So um, looking forward to what happens on Thursday. Uh, this has been another edition of the Equalizer podcast. Please rate and review this podcast. Hit us with those five stars. Leave a comment, a glowing comment, because you love us um, and it helps us get discovered by others. And the more that happens, the more uh, people who discover us and we can do some more talking about these amazing things that are happening in the world of women's soccer NWSL. We'll talk about FAWSL some more, some big stuff next weekend. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about what Louisville did. I'm Jeff Kasuf. Thank you to Rachel and John. Uh, and we'll be back next week on the Equalizer podcast.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Root Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.